Well, good morning, Sanctuary. It is good to be here this morning. Thankful for the opportunity to speak, and I hope that God does some great things this morning in our hearts. So um, last week, anybody have some good barbecue? Yeah? Nice. So the 4th of July, a few years back, um, my brother was barbecuing, and as we're going to look at this message of our focus changes the outcome, I decided, you know what, I've got some hot sauce. I don't know if you guys have any hot sauce that's like really, really hot, like just scorching. Um, And so I put a little bit of hot sauce on, a little bit of a hot dog for him. I'm like, here, um, check this out. He's all, oh yeah, I like hot sauce. This will be fine. You know, I'm like, he he starts to chew it. He's all, this is, this is good. I'm all, there's nothing good about this hot sauce. Like it's just burn you with fire. And then all of a sudden he's all, whoo. And he's, you know, um, at the grill, you know, he's supposed to be grilling all of a sudden. He's all, and he runs out and he goes and he starts at the sink. He's just like, he grabs ice. I'm like, that is going to make things worse. Water is not going to help you. Right. And so he completely abandoned the grill. And now I didn't realize that my choice um, to do this to him would burn all of our burgers and hot dogs. Like he just completely abandoned. Right. And when we change our focus, right, from Christ to the center point, right, to anything else, it's going to change the outcome. And I want to look at a story this morning in, uh, I'm sure everybody was reading through First Chronicles this week. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> probably true. So you probably got to First Chronicles chapter 28. Uh, and this is what it says. So first of all, David's gathering all of the leaders, all the officials. He gets them all together And this is what he says. It says, King David rose to his feet and said, listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, for um, for the footstool of our God. And I made plans to build it. So David's gathered all the officials. He's made the plans. He had it in his heart. He made plans to build it. I don't know if you've been there where you have plans in your heart. You have an idea. You start to make those plans, and then it stops. God changes it. I mean, David was planning out detail after detail. I'll share a few of them. He's like, look, in the temple that we're going to build, the weight of the silver for all the silver articles to be used Um, in the various kinds of service. So he's saying, look, this is what it's going to weigh. He designated the weight of gold. He designated the gold for each lampstand. It will weigh this much. This lamp, this much, right? And he, I mean, literally list after list, here's how much the table is going to weigh. Here's how much the consecrated bread table um, is going to weigh. In fact, over 10 times, it's a little hard to see, but he's like, this is how much this is going to weigh in the temple. This is what this is going to weigh. Like he has planned it out. But what do we do when God changes the plan? We have to learn to expect the unexpected. God's going to um, send us curveballs. It's going to happen, and where are you going to be when you have your plan like David did, and God changes the plan? Have you been there? Uh, My wife and I, as um, Pastor Rod shared, we wrote a book uh, last year. It it came out, but it was a four-year process of going, like, what are some of the marriage tips, strategies, ideas that we've been given that have helped us to create a great marriage? And so we spent 
months and months and months, like uh, just getting all the ideas, mainly out of my crazy head, onto paper, right? She's way more organized. So this was the room, like we set up and we hired a friend of mine, Jim House. He charges an incredible amount to do these like uh, 24-hour services uh, where you'll help get the book off the ground. Um, but we were arranged a deal. We made a deal. And he uh, helped me map this all out. This is my wife looking at my craziness going like, I don't know if I could help with this. So I mean, I have like every idea out, every story I've thought about with marriage and put it all together and this is at the beginning. By the end, like everything is covered top to bottom in the room, 360 degrees around. And the book is nearing completion, but nobody will publish it. We have a literary agent. He's pitching and pitching and pitching, but he's like, look, it's 2020. That's when we were pitching it. All the publishing houses have closed down. Nobody's taking new submissions. Well, then we get this opportunity to go on Fool Us. And so during the, the pandemic, they were still, uh, they were still performing and, and having people in via Zoom. I was able to go there live, but no audience. And so, uh, so we get this opportunity to go on, on Penn and Teller's Fool Us, and he starts to re-pitch the idea. And somebody says, we'll take it under this condition. That first minute vi- part of the video, if you're familiar with the show, you have about a seven-minute video. Six minutes of it is whatever trick you're doing to try to fool Penn and Teller. And then the first minute is your story. And we, as part of the story, we shared the book. And they said, we'll get the book published by the time it comes out if you have that as part of the minute story. So we pitch it to Penn and Teller. They say, yes, we get the publishing deal. Well, then the day of the show, the, uh, the, it, it comes out but the book is nowhere to be seen. We're like, we, I created a trick just for that. We filmed literally eight hours, book in hand, like showing the book. They cut all that footage and they used something else. And so now my publishing team, they have a marketing team like ready to go and all of the plans changed, right? What do we do when in the middle of it, and I'm calling them like, look, I wasn't lying to you. And, the, and they... Their followers of Christ are like, we know, we, these things happen. I'm like, I, I feel terrible that this happened. And they're like, we'll change plans, we'll shift gears, right? Because we have to expect the unexpected and trust that God has a plan, right? God has a plan. He knows our story. He knows where we're at. And when we get a curveball, it's not a curveball for God. It's a curveball for us, And we have to go, okay, how am I going to adjust? How am I going to pivot? How am I going to deal with this situation? Let me, let me tell you what sometimes will happen. In a moment, I wish I could change this on the fly because I just realized I have the same error. I'm just going to have you read the first one. Um, in a second, I'm going to have you read this. Supposed to say, you'll see in a second. Uh, so go ahead. We'll read the first one out loud together. So everyone out loud together. Sanctuary. It's supposed to say sanctuary is fun in the summer, but I put the best. Okay. Um, But that's not what it says. It's not what it says. I'll show it to you again. It says sanctuary is the the best. Right? Okay, here's another one. I'm going to show you a sentence. I'll give you about 10 seconds to count the letter F in that sentence. So if there's one of them, count it. If there's two, count it. Okay, so count the letter Fs. Five seconds. 
three seconds, two, one. Okay, how many of you got two Fs? Okay, how many got three? How many got four? How many got five? How many got six? How many got seven? You guys are just seeing things. We need to get glasses. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to show it to you. Uh, so there's six. There's six of them. Uh, count them again. If you get seven, I'm going to be impressed. I don't know where seven came from. Uh, then it's going to fool me. So yeah, six. Uh, don't forget to count the ofs. Yeah. Oh. Right? Uh, Okay, I'll give you one more. I'm going to show you a word. Do not read the word. Just get the letters in the word, but don't read the word. What's the word? Said not to read it, right? Almost impossible to do, uh, right? It's, so here's, here's why I share this, is if we're going to look at trusting in God, right? Some of us feel like, oh, we already know, and so we miss it. God puts an opportunity before us, but we miss it because we already know. I already know that, you know, I'll, I'll count the Fs. Yeah, there's three. Yeah, I got it. And that's wrong. Oh, I already know this, right? And God's saying, look, I want to teach you something new. I want to put you in a position where you're going to have to trust me. But then we go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know how to do that. Instead of going like, God wants to shape us for something new. Watch what happens with David in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 3. It says, but God said to me, you are not to build a house for my name because you are a warrior and you have shed blood. How many of you have heard sermons about but God? Anybody hear sermons on? Okay, it's a fairly popular, I would say like every two or three years, I feel like somebody like gives a message that I'll hear with the but God statements. And this is, uh, this is my question is, what do we do when the plans change? When it says, but God. But usually the way the but gods work is it's not with, uh, but God said no, it's with this. It's my heart and my flesh, they may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And we're like, yes, I love that. I was dead, now I'm alive. I love that, right? Um, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is my strength. Or Philippians 2.27, indeed, he was ill, near death, but God had mercy on him, right? We love these type of stories where we go, but God has mercy, but God does something new. In Ephesians, it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ, together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved, right? But this isn't what First Chronicles says. It says, but God said to me, you are not, right? He says, no, 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 you're not doing that. Nope, that's not happening. I've got something else. At critical moments in time when God shows up and says, no, what do we do? When we get that call from a doctor, we're like, God, I don't know if I could go down this road again. We get a call from our boss. We hear from somebody we haven't heard from in a while, and the news isn't good, right? When we're going one direction, God says, no, we're not doing that anymore. What do we do? 
when the answer is no, right? We love it when the answer is yes. We love it when it's, God, I was doing this, but you were rich in mercy. God, I was lost, but now I'm found. God, I was this, but now I'm this. But this isn't David doing something wrong, right? It's him saying, no, this isn't for you. It's going to be for somebody else, right? In those moments, what are you going to focus on? Because your focus changes everything. If we were to get on an airplane right now and we were, well, actually, let's say we were in New York and we're flying back to Los Angeles, if we're off by just one degree, so just one degree, instead of just going straight, going with the plan this way, we just go off by one degree. By the time we get to San Diego, or by the time we get to Los Angeles, we go, wait, that's not Los Angeles, that's San Diego, right? We'd be about 100 miles off course. That's what happens over time, that one degree, right? So we have to make sure that we are focused on the things that God has planned for us, right? If I was to take this, and I'm not doing anything with these playing cards this morning, I feel, I feel bad, but if I was to take these playing cards, right? And I wanted um, to make a big deal out of these. If I bring it closer to my face, it seems bigger. I bring it even closer, it seems even bigger. If I get really close, I could block out the whole world, and it's not that big of a box, right? That's the thing is when we begin to focus on the wrong things, those things could seem out of proportion to the reality, right? When we focus on God, you'll never be able to focus and go like, he's bigger than your thought, right? He will always be bigger than anything we could dream of, think of. It's just like, we'd be like, oh, wow, he's huge. And God would go and turn just a little bit. And we're like, he's bigger than I thought, right? Where our problems are always smaller in comparison to who God is. So we focus on him and his faithfulness. And that's what David did, is when God threw him a curveball, is he remembered God's faithfulness. The very next verse says, yet the Lord. God tells him, no, you're not doing that. You're not building that. Your plans that you've weighed everything out, I've given you all these different ideas, that's not for you. Yet the Lord. Yet the Lord, the God of Israel, chose me. So what does God do? He chooses me for my whole family to be king over Israel forever. He chose Judah as leader from the tribe of Judah. He chose my family. And for my father's son, he was pleased. Some of you would have a hard time believing that God is pleased with you, right? To make me king over all Israel, all of my sons, and the Lord, the Lord has given me, right? And he's given me many. So God is, he chooses us. He's pleased with us. He's given us right? He has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord of, over Israel. He said to me, right? He said to me, and it goes on to say what he said, but these four things are what David remembers, that God chooses, that God is pleased, that God is given, and that God speaks. So when God changes, right, we don't focus on the, the negative side of that. We go, we're going to focus on God's faithfulness. So whatever journey you find yourself in, right, we focus on God's faithfulness. This is what God does. I know some of you might have seen this before. This meme was kind of going around for a little bit, but check it out. Story of humanity right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, that, 
that is our, our story, right? Is we, we like, God rescues us. He does this incredible work in us. And then a moment later, we're back in the ditch, right? And we have to trust that when we're there, that we don't just go, okay, I'm just going to give up. Ah, uh, that's it. No, no, God is faithful. He will show up again. Doesn't matter how many times you've asked for forgiveness. Doesn't matter how many times you've gone down that same road. God is in the business of rescuing his people. Oh, there it is again. We need it one more time. We need it one more time. Just as a reminder. <laughs> it's just, it gets me every time, right? Uh, we... We forget so easily, like we just have that joy. We're like, things are going great, things are going great. And we don't realize right around the corner, we're going to be back in there and we need to trust that God is faithful, right? That God has chosen me, that God is pleased with me. I want to stop on this one for a second on the pleased with me because I, I think one of the reasons that God revealed himself as a, a, in a father-son relationship is because of the absence of the father and son, that dynamic, that desperate need that we have for connection um, as fathers and sons. I put a video out I, on, on Facebook, and just to give you a comparison, like I would say most of my videos hit like 300 to maybe 5,000 max. This one's currently around 2.5 million, and I put it up about three weeks ago on Father's Day. And it was literally, I've been trying to put up a video a day and I was at the end of Father's Day. I'm like, I haven't put a video up. I hand my phone to my son, Spencer. And I said, hey, my dad's seen this a thousand times, but this is his favorite one. Hey, dad, happy Father's Day. I love you. End of it, right? So many people resonated with this video. I, I think it has like over a thousand shares now. It's just crazy. But the comments on there are reflective of the absence of fathers in our culture. One of the, the comments that has a couple thousand likes is the best trick my dad ever did was disappear, right? And it's funny, yet it's heartbreaking because it's true. And so many other people put things like that on there to say the need that they have, this desire that they have for the father. And then we get into our relationship with God the Father and we feel like he's one that's absent. He's one that's not there for us. And we don't see God being pleased with us, right? In a moment, I want to share a verse with you about God being pleased with you. But maybe that's a point that you need to wrestle with God with and help him to enlighten you, to show you, to reveal to you the father's heart that he pursues you. Think of the prodigal son goes and does whatever he wants. But the moment he turns towards the father, the father runs, embraces, kisses, celebrates, gives him a robe, gives him a ring. That's the heart of the father for us, right? So he focuses that God chooses him. He's pleased with them, that God gives to him. And he talks about the gift of his son, right? And that God's given him many sons. And then it's, it's just like a, a statement, but it's, it's said kind of so nonchalantly, but I think we forget that God speaks to us. And David just says, and God said, right? That God speaks to his people. That's what he does, right? Maybe you haven't heard from him in a while. God wants to speak into your life. So I want to share one verse with each of these, being chosen, pleased, giving, and speaking. So 
God has chosen you, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, speaking of us, right? Followers of Christ, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. God is pleased with you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. What a beautiful image we have of God rejoicing over his people, right? He delights in us. Romans 8.32 shows the length that God will go to give to us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? That's the Father's heart. He wants to give us all things. And then he speaks, Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer. Some of you, maybe for the first time in a while, need to call out to God and just say, God, I'm, I'm crying out for you. I haven't heard from you in a while. I'm calling out and I will answer you and I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know, right? So these four things are just um, David's reminder that God is faithful, right? In the middle of the storm, in the middle of like things changing, plans changing, entering into the unexpected, we go, God, I know that you're faithful. When my plans crumble, when the giants are bigger than I expected, when doubt overwhelms you when the battle is bigger than you expected, don't be deceived that your problems are bigger than God's solutions. God has a way out. God will always provide a way out, but we've got to lean into him. We've got to trust in him, and we've got to know that he has answers to the, the, the things, the struggles, the pain. And it doesn't mean that God's not going to just say, oh, now I'm going to free you from all pain. Sometimes it's going through the pain that is the solution, right? And we just want out, but God's like, no, I'm going to keep you here. Trust me here. Walk with me here. And then God makes you create something new in you. Here's a a reminder if we feel like you know what? These problems seem so big, right? The problem seems so big. We just keep looking and focusing on those instead of focusing on God, right? Here's what God does. Who else has held the ocean in his hands? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? Now, the known universe, that just means like, the telescopes we could design that are large enough, every time we build a telescope, like as humans, these like super intelligent guys go like, let's build a, a big telescope, right? Every time they build one, they go, wow, the universe is bigger than we thought it was. Currently, the known universe, what we know is 92 billion light years. A light year is, um, if you were to travel at the speed of light for one year, right? That's a light year. Um, the distance, right? So just to give you an idea of how fast light travels at 186,000 miles per second, it could go around the earth 7.5 times every second, right? So 92 billion light years. And God says, yeah, I just measure that like this with my fingers. 
It's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I've got that. Oceans, yeah, I can hold all those in my hand, right? We, we look at things, and here's a, another thing is maybe our view and our understanding of who God is is too small. When we read the scriptures, all we get is God is bigger, God's bigger, God's bigger, God's bigger. Like he's huge. I don't, I don't know. Like we can't even compare. There's nothing, right? Sometimes we, we believe lies like Satan's the opposite of God. Satan's not the opposite. They're not even in the same league, right? God created Satan, right? So when we think about who God is, he's infinitely bigger than anything we could imagine. And then it says that he knows us and he allows us to know him, that he wants to speak to us, that he's chosen us, that he loves us, that he's for us. So giving freely. This is the fourth one. The the final one is he's going to learn how to give freely the things that God has given him, right? Rod would say this, are you giving of your um, your time, your talent, your treasure, right? Pastor Rod uses that phrase to say, are we giving freely? And so this this is the thing. If we're going to focus on God's plan for us, we need to trust that he's going to give freely and we need to give freely to those around us, even if we think this is something for us. And so I had this opportunity, this is a few years back, to be a stunt double for Adrian Brody for the uh, Houdini special that was on the History Channel. It was a documentary. And so this is me underwater on day one of our, our, of our filming shoot. And I'm in Hollywood for two days, not two consecutive days, but there were about 14-hour days. And on the first day, it was just nonstop, like take take pictures, video, all that kind of stuff with um, underwater escapes, straight jacket, rope escapes, handcuff escapes, like you name it, I was doing it. And it was a, a crazy day. The next day, not the next day, but the next time, it was about a week later that I show up on set, there's two Houdini stunt doubles um, on set. One, myself, who knows what he's doing. Um, <laughs> and I've... I'm one of the few people uh, in California, but really in the U.S. that they could bring in that has done underwater escapes and um, knows, you know, um, all the, the stuff that goes into escapology. And so I'm on set, and then they have an actor on set. Well, I get a call from hair and makeup, and they're like, hey, you need to come on in. Uh, and so the lady, you know, um, looks at me. By the way, hate to say this, but I was in a Speedo. I mean, that, that's... It's what I was in that day. So I'm in a little Speedo, and she looks at me, and she's all, well, the director, he wants me to shave you from head to toe. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm not the sleekest. Like, I've got a little bit of hair on me, right? And so this is like an hour project for her of, like, shaving my body. I'm like, this is fantastic. For a month, my kids and my wife called me Father Smoothie. Uh, So so, uh, I was smooth, right? But she is literally down on one of my legs, like I'm shaving my leg, and the other actor walks in just to give you a comparison, right? I haven't seen him yet. You know, he walks in, the other actor, she's shaving my leg. I can't make this stuff up. She looks over at this guy, he looks like Thor. <laughs> we have a Greek god over here and a hairy monkey over here, right? Um, 
And so she's just like, whoa, Thor has entered into our presence. Well, needless to say, all of the video stuff that they were going to do that day, they were going to film him for that stuff. Here's the thing. He had no idea what he was doing. And not only that, he's scared to go underwater upside down in a straitjacket as he should be. So all of my knowledge is going into training, equipping, teaching, loving on, encouraging, empowering this guy that I've never met before to go like, hey man, you're going to be fine. Here's what you want to do. Here's the technique to do. Here's this. I'll be with the team on the outside. We'll pull you out. We'll do this. And he, the, the team has no idea. I'm the only one on set who knows what they're doing. And we're like, we're not going to kill a guy. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, they would be like, we don't know what to do. So here's the thing, though, is I had to shift gears and go, okay, this day, I thought I was going to have this opportunity, but it wasn't that. I, uh, you know, for day one, that's day one. Day two, uh-uh, um, it was all about this guy, right? And so I, I had to serve in a different capacity, Right. Where are you giving that you're like, you know what? I didn't expect to give this way, but this is what God has for me. This is what David did. When he realized this, he gathers the people together. He gathers his son and he says, look, you, my son Solomon, acknowledge God the Father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. Why? For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. So this is what he says. Look, I want you to acknowledge and serve God. Some of us just need to awaken to what God's already doing and just go like, God, I want to acknowledge that you are good. God, I want to acknowledge that you're at work in my life. God, I want to acknowledge that you're at work in my family. God, I want to acknowledge fill in the blank, right? As we need to acknowledge what God is already doing. And then we need to serve God. And how we serve makes a difference. Look at what he says. Serve God with wholehearted devotion, a willing mind. Why? Because God searches. He knows your motives. He knows your heart. He knows your every desire. He knows your every thought, right? So don't just say, oh, I'm going to serve and do the right thing with the right wrong motives, but do the right thing as if doing it onto the Lord. The next part says this. If you seek him, notice the condition If you seek him, you will be found by him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. And then it says, consider now, consider what? Seeking him. For the Lord has chosen you to build a house as a sanctuary. And then David gives them these words, be strong and do the work. So it's these four things, the acknowledging God, the serving God, the being strong and doing the work right? Wherever you're at, are you doing these these four things, acknowledging God, serving him wholeheartedly, being strong, trusting that he has a plan for you, and then doing the work that he's put before you, right? As God wants us to work hard. Work is not as sometimes in America, we just go like, I hate Monday, I hate work, right? But work is immensely a biblical thing. It's designed by God, not It doesn't happen after the fall. It's before the fall that we're given work to do, right? And God wants us to do our work and to do it well, right? And this is David. He's like, look, I have all these plans. God's put all this on my mind, but I'm going to give it to my son Solomon. 
I'm going to teach him. I'm going to train him. I'm going to show him what to do. He could have done so many other things instead of being faithful when the unexpected happened, but he was faithful, right? His focus was unwavering. He's like, God, I know you have a plan. I'm going to stick to it. Wait, God, you're changing it. But wait, you've been faithful before. You'll be faithful again. I'm going to trust you for the outcome in the middle of the storm. So what do we do when the outcomes change, when the focus becomes a little blurry? We have to go, wait, that's part of the plan. We need to expect the unexpected. We're not going to get like an email saying like, here's, take seven steps, walk this way, pick up the phone, do this. It's going to be, God's going to give you an idea for his plan, but you're going to have to like go with the ebbs and the flows of it, right? You need to trust that God's plan is better than your plan. His dream is bigger than your dream, right? His, His plans, his thoughts, his ideas for us are bigger than we could ever imagine, right? When we start to focus on that, it's going to change the outcome. We're going to focus on God's faithfulness, that he's chosen us, that he's pleased with us, that he gives to us, that he speaks to us. These are the things that God wants to do in our life. Every day, we have opportunities in the middle of the storm to focus on him, to give freely to him and to those around us to give our time, our talent, our treasure, and go, God, whatever you've given to me, I'm going to give to others, to mentor, to disciple, to challenge, to encourage, to empower those around me. Whatever your situation is today, where's your focus? Are you focusing on the things that God would design you and have you to focus on? I want to share one last story as the band comes up. There's a a rifle shooter named Matt Emmons. Matt could literally, like if you were holding up a match 100 yards out, he could shoot that match out of your hand 100 times out of 100 times. Like he is brilliant in this area, and he's one of the best marksmen in the world. And in 2004, he's at the Olympics, and he is so far ahead of everybody. Literally, all he has to do is hit anywhere on the target, black, white, center, anywhere, and he'll get the gold medal. And so they line up the target. He lines up his shot. He takes a deep breath in. He releases straight through the bullseye. But there's no cheers. It's complete silence. This doesn't happen that often at this level, but he cross-fired. He was aiming at the wrong target. He came in eighth place for aiming at the wrong target. Perfect bullseye. Perfect bullseye. Wrong target. Where is your focus right now? Are you focused on the things, on the plan, on the thoughts that God has for you? Are you one degree off? Are you focused on the story, on the life that God has? Are you focused on somebody else's purpose, on somebody else's story? Are you trying to run somebody else's race? Or are you running the race that God has marked out for you, that God has planned for you before the foundation of the earth, living according to his plan, his purpose, his story, not trying to make a name for yourself, trying to make your name big, but making his name big, saying, God, I'm going to do whatever it takes to stay on focus. God, you are my everything. I want to be right here every day. Maybe you're a little off course today. 
Maybe you could confess. Maybe you bring that to somebody today and just say, help me to stay on course. I need to get back on track. Because today is the day you can make that decision and God could transform you from the inside out. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each person in here, Lord. I I thank you for, for the joy you have in us, Lord, that you rejoice over us, that you have chosen us. Lord, if any of us are off course, Lord, I pray that you would get us back on course today. Lord, like that lamb that just jumps in, Lord, that you run over to us and you rescue us. Would you do that once again and show us your love, redeem us, make us new. God, I thank you for each person here. I pray for your blessing and your favor over them. I pray that you would use them in mighty ways to build your kingdom. God, we love you, and I thank you for this opportunity to serve you. In Jesus' name.